Before we get started, there's something I'm really excited to share with you. It's no secret that we think diversifying your income is incredibly important. One way that we do it is by investing in rental properties. We've done a ton of research, interviewed experts, and invested over $100,000 of our own money in income-producing rental properties. I am proud to announce that we're launching Rental Properties for Passive Investors. It's a course on exactly how you can passively invest in rental properties. Like our podcast, it's incredibly actionable and details exactly how we've both purchased and managed our rental properties. It also includes a year of investable, the analysis tool we use to make sure the rental properties we purchase are actually profitable. Finding the deal is half the battle. You need to know your numbers to make a profitable investment. We're running a pre-sale for $100 off. Head over to listenmoneymatters.com slash REI to learn more. That's listenmoneymatters.com slash REI for $100 off rental properties for passive investors. Hey, what is going on, everybody? Welcome to Listen Money Matters. Dollar saved is more than a dollar earned because you don't have to pay income tax. (laughs) Wait, I don't get that. Yeah, You're saving a dollar. You do have to pay income tax. Well, it's a joke. You already <laughs> paid income Would tax. Would it be less than a dollar? <laughs> it's, it's cheaper than a dollar spent. Okay. <laughs> that, that is true. It is cheaper than a dollar spent. I'll let the audience figure out that catchphrase. My name is Thomas. And I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Andrew, who creates confusing catchphrases, or at least picks them from our audience, <laughs> and also sometimes drinks things. What are you drinking, man? Uh, I'm drinking still water artisanal recess. It is a dry Ooh. hopped sour ale with raspberries, which sounded great. And you look at the can, you're like, wow, really great. It It's like uh sour and bitter, which it, it's actually grown on me as we've been talking okay. before recording, but it, it's like, okay. Were you like not into it? Your first sip? I'm more into it now. My first sip, I was like, ah, I got to do this for an hour. <laughs> but, uh, I almost switched, but you could but just good. pour it out and be like, "Yeah, don't drink bad beer." <laughs> it's That's not bad. Still Anna, like if if we're at a restaurant and she's full, she's like, "Oh, I feel like I have to finish it." I'm like, "No," because if you finish it, like you're still wasting the food because your body mm. doesn't need the calories, so it's just gonna like either get rid of it somehow or store it as fat. Like, it's, <laughs> it's not doing you any good, and you're not enjoying it, so there's really no purpose to it. So take it home, or not. I just I truck through it. I, I or, or just truck through it, I guess. That is the American way. Mm. Uh, I have a giant glass pot, which Anna bought for my birthday, and I am stoked about, uh, of cinnamon apple tea. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious. I don't know. Do you have celestial seasonings tea at your grocery stores? We do. We Laura and I usually have a sleepy time. It has this yeah. bear on it. And then we just like pass out snoring on the couch, you know, <laughs> in the middle of like a CSI good. Miami. <laughs> it's like the most typical adult thing I've ever heard. I, dude, there's like, I don't know, 20, like nine seasons. And I mean, and, and the solid first 12 Horatio says like the most cheesiest catchphrases. <laughs> it's just great. Like he's Wait just a minute. such a bad. Huh. What if we take his catchphrases and then we say those at the beginning of our episodes? Uh, something like super cheesy, and after you say it, I'll be like, "Yeah!" There you go. Yep, our ratings are gonna go to the roof. 
Damn right. Uh, I've actually well, never watched CSI Miami, so I don't know any of those catchphrases. This is like a serious life thing that you're missing out on. Is it? Um, yeah, dude. Is it, it really though? Is. I don't know. I'm watching <laughs> Gravity Falls at night right now, and that show is amazing. It is so terribly bad. I think it rolls over into being decent. <laughs> like they have, they'll have like shots in CSI Miami, and then they'll like break the shot into the same shot, but four squares and like weird color things will happen while they're doing like. I don't know, science things in the lab. And it's just... Uh, Why do you subject yourself to this, Andrew? <laughs> it's very campy, and we There's like There's good it. shows you could watch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, dude, I have, I have a question for you, Thomas. Okay. Um, how much uh, cash do you have in your wallet? I can look. Um, yeah. I always have a little bit in my wallet. I try to mm. keep a little bit in there just in case. And I also keep like a secret stash in my car, you know, like a few hundred thousand in the doors. Like you have to unmarked, pay somebody off or something. Unmarked bills, yeah. It's for Paulie, you know, helping him do some deals. I have sixteen dollars in cash in my wallet right now. And so, so seriously, though, why do you keep like extra on you or in the car? Um, two reasons. One, barcades, mm. because barcades have a change machine to play games. So I keep cash on me so I can do that without having to pay a giant ATM fee. And the other is the oh shit factor. Um, basically, I always want to keep like a hidden 20 in my wallet, maybe a hidden 20 in my car, just in case I find myself in a situation where like I lost my credit card, my phone's dead, or for some reason like I need to get services from somebody, but like that's all I have. So it's so basically like a backup. I also, I, I, I used to keep 20. Now I just keep like 40, like super neatly folded, hidden Double behind my shit. credit cards. Yeah. And uh, Laura calls it my Jew gold. And uh, it's just, it's like kind of for that like random time. Okay. Right? And uh, I find it super interesting because I guess like when, do you, do you really need cash? I guess if you don't have your credit cards or maybe you don't have your wallet, then you're not going to have your backup cash, right? Um... I guess I put it this way, and you know what? You're actually giving me, you're giving. Well, I actually had this idea the other day, but not for this reason. But you're giving me the idea to put cash in my bike as well. Basically, <laughs> if I lose my wallet, I'm either gonna be really close to home, or I'm gonna be with my car or with my bike, unless I'm traveling. Mm. So like traveling is a whole different thing. But if I'm far from home, I'm either gonna have my bike with me or my car with me. So, so the reason I ask is because. Uh, the, I may forget my credit cards. I may forget my keys. I, I mean, I may forget my pants. I will not forget my phone. Like, Why would you forget do, your pants? <laughs> I, I mean, you know, shit. Well, I guess you could go to the gym with like gym shorts and forget to bring everything. Yeah, I, I usually go topless and bottomless when I go to the gym. Um, <laughs> you just walk in there in like a speedo. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm here for the party. Oh, it's I think, like that's not lunk behavior, but they're gonna ring the lunk alarm anyway. But look. The thing is, uh, you don't really need any of this stuff because everything's digital, right? Like you have like Apple Pay or I don't know, I mean, like if I'm with you, you know, and you have like your your cash, uh, I can just like Venmo you. Um, you know, yes. there's like Zelly I mean, you need credit cards for most things still. Mm. I, I don't know about New Jersey and like the stores you frequent. Um, I always use Apple Pay for Whole Foods and I always use the Starbucks app for Starbucks. But like Target doesn't have mm. it, so you still have to do cards. Yeah. 
We, and like we most use, uh, restaurants, you got to do cards. But but there you go. Like you're using the card and and you're being cashless. But before we go, and yeah. I want to talk about like all this cashless stuff because I find it fascinating. Um, I, w- I want to teach you a little bit about like where cash came from. Like, a ooh, do I get some history lessons? Didn't y- paper US money come from Kurt- China? Well, China was the first one to create paper money. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and I mean, you have you have my notes. So, um, do you I'm actually know- not looking at them. Good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, do you know why paper currency was originally created in 1690? Uh, let me take a shot at it. Mm. They're also called colonial notes. Let me take a helps. shot at it. Mm. So, you, I may be wrong or I may be thinking of something differently than you, but... I feel like I've read before that like tiny banks would basically just issue these notes that are essentially IOUs because they're easier to carry around than gold. And it basically is like I well, can go to the bank and redeem my my gold. But okay. then people just started mm. trading the IOUs because they're easier to carry around than gold. So like so, that effectively becomes a currency. Okay, fine. So maybe, yes, you're right. I guess to, to frame mine, uh, why was it created in the U.S.? Oh, in the U.S.? Paper. I actually don't know yeah. the specific reason, if there is one. Like, is there mm, a specific... To fund the military. To, to fund the military? Was it like war bonds? Yeah, military operations. Or something similar? Uh, I mean, it, it's like the original kind of concept was, look, why, why, that's why money is generally created by right. governments, right? To buy like... To finance war. P- feed the army. Yeah. Um, so uh, the National Banking Service was actually created in 1863, and but two years later, um, in coincidentally or not coincidentally, uh, the Secret Service was founded. Oh, um, do you, wait, do you wasn't know the, the Secret Service purpose? like originally an anti-counterfeiting outfit or yeah, something like that? Yeah, that, that was a per- the Secret Service was created because counterfeiting was rampant, right. and so their their sole responsibility. Was that, and then uh, it turned out over time, a bunch of presidents got assassinated, and like, oh, we should probably protect them too. And, and <laughs> I guess we'll do kinda, that. <laughs> but but they still do quite a bit um, when it comes to like uh, fraud and and um, uh, what what was like anti counterfeiting? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So and then in 1889, uh, they created a law. So there was uh, the bills. And they had faces on the bills and obviously the numbers and stuff like that, like how much it was worth. Mm-hmm. But they had to create a legislation to put the names of the faces of the people on the bills because people didn't know who was on. <laughs> like it'd be like a face of Abe Lincoln, like I don't know who that is. So they actually had to pass a law to like I mean that actually makes sense. Like in eighteen eighty six, like you're not gonna know who somebody is just by a picture of them unless there is like there's yeah. no T V, there's no Twitter, there's no anything. I was going to say it was a little bit before the iPhone. So I bet you like people, people probably knew what presidents looked like for a long time, but like the general population, it probably wasn't until, I don't know, like maybe the 1940s that like a lot of people knew exactly what the president looked like. Yeah. Like imagine like someone just growing up in a farmstead, where are they going to go? Is like a picture. You don't have TV or cable. And I mean, if you're using your antenna TV, you know, and yeah. there's like 10 people in your area. Yeah. You're, you're listening to the radio. You're listening to War of the Worlds, uh, <laughs> thinking, the, <laughs> thinking the aliens have arrived. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's kind of so interesting to think about. That was, that was in uh, 1889. And uh, there's like a lot of stuff happened in between that I thought was like moderately interesting. 
And then uh, in 1995, uh, a law was passed to uh, add In God We Trust on to um, the U.S. That was 95? That was 1955. Oh, 55. Okay. I was like, oh my God, you're so. Thomas, you're so young. That, oh, my God. <laughs> I wasn't even born yet, and there was, like, before I was born, there was no In God We Trust. Okay, so that's been I just, there for, since the 50s. Yeah. Okay, and, and that would make sense, because I feel like that coincided with, like, a period of revivalism, I think. I mean, look, let's be real. America was always very religious. People literally came to America to do their own weird-ass religion stuff, because it wasn't allowed elsewhere. Yeah, it so. has been, but, like... If you, if you read into the history of like revivalism and things like that, there are definitely cycles where like we'll have periods of time where there is a lot more religious fervor mm-hmm. or a lot more fundamentalism gets, you know, gets more speed. Not to sidetrack, and this will probably sidetrack, but I was reading this thing, and both the religious and non-religious people in the U.S. are more religious than pretty much anyone else in the whole world. Like people who are not religious, it, it, it was very interesting. We're basically all really religious whether it's religious about not believing in anything uh, or or believing in something or whatever Um, so like whatever you were reading was basically saying people in other countries are generally more apathetic about the topic of religion well like whether you take a christian an atheist or someone who's agnostic like and and separate like isolated any one sect or even collectively is far more religious than religious people in like europe and stuff like that Mm. which Maybe plays to, you know, the founding of the country. Thought it was Yeah, I guess that could make sense. So to, with a lot of the history I've read, I, I've sort of come to the conclusion that, like, the founding of the country was also very based on, like, booze. Mm. <laughs> like, the, uh, like, they always talk about, like, the Stamp Act and the Boston Tea Party, but a lot of the initial rebellions had to do with, like, taxation on rum. Mm. So there's a lot of interesting things about that. Uh, but, yeah, like... Religion and alcohol are, are two very fundamental things in our country's history. So uh, after 1955, we added, you know, In God We Trust. Fast forward to 1969, uh, we got rid of all large denomination bills, which I remember like hearing things about this when I was a kid. And it still just kind of baffles me because the money was so more meaningful back then. But there were yeah. $500,000, $5,000 $10,000 bills yeah. that existed. I mean, there's actually, I saw a picture of a $100,000 bill, although I didn't have enough energy to research if that was a real thing. But dude, could you imagine today carrying a $10,000 bill in your pocket, let alone when that shit was like, yeah. Worth- it, okay. So there was a $100,000 bill hmm. that was printed for one year. <laughs> uh, actually, no, it was printed, not for one year. It was printed for a month. Actually. Imagine leaving that in your pocket when you do the laundry. Wait, it's- there was no laundry back then. <laughs> oh, shit. There was laundry. They just used a washboard. Yeah. But yeah, it says here that that was used for transactions between the Federal Reserve Banks. So, like, it's not something that you would have been walking around with in your pocket. So, I got one more uh, date thing that, that maybe excellently transitions. Okay. Uh, in 1971, our good friend Nixon... Um, busted the gold standard. And, and back in the day, uh, on every dollar, it literally said that you could trade this in for gold. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And uh, so he he broke that tie. Basically, it was like, you know all those dollars you could have traded for gold? Well, you should have did it yesterday because you can't anymore. And that's um, kind of crazy. Because yeah. Because that basically means like the global economy is no longer tied to any physical asset. Which uh, is like, so, so we still have, even though these dollars aren't tradable for gold, you know, you're going to go buy some pizza. And if you swipe your credit card for a slice, the guys might just like punch you in the face. Um, but we're very much moving to this system where the, you just won't have dollars. People won't want them. You mean that you, they won't want cash? Right. Uh, like, for example, in Sweden, uh, the businesses are actually allowed to decide if uh, they're willing to accept the, the uh, I think it's the kroner or not. So a business could be like, um, actually, we don't accept cash. Sorry. In, really? in the U.S., that's illegal. There, it's, illegal it's, to not, it's illegal to not accept cash in the U.S.? Yeah, you have to be able to accept, yeah, you have to accept cash. Do you think that that is going to change eventually? So, interestingly, I mean... Oh, when when we were like researching this article, and, and Laura did by far the most amount of research, uh, I I would have assumed that you know with like Venmo and all these like apps and blah 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 that like cash would have declined over time, right? Mm -hmm. uh, the the reverse is true. Uh, people really, yeah. So after two thousand eight, uh, people got really nervous, um, and cash. Uh, has been on the rise and and we're now using more cash today than we were even before the crisis mm. at, at least in the u.s and, and really? many other countries but yeah huh but you're not i mean mostly no i, I like, hate when do you use cash when i have to there's uh okay. there's this pier by us where you could buy drinks it's cash only probably because it's ah. like money laundering or something <laughs> There were a lot of like uh, in college, like Thai restaurants, like Chinese restaurants that were only cash, mm. which I never understood why. Maybe they just didn't want to deal with the credit card processing fees. Right, right. Um, but yeah, like I, had, I definitely kept cash in my wallet when I was in college because Thai kitchen was delicious. So <laughs> gotta have cash for that. <laughs> so, um, so we're we're moving to this like non-cash state. You know, Bitcoin. Oh my God, or not. Is anybody still interested in that? Mm. <laughs> I feel like the interest rises with the volatility. Yeah. And it just it, seems like it hasn't been that volatile lately. It's really low. But, but I want to talk about like two specific things that I, I found really interesting. So uh, Sweden and India both um, have made like really hard pushes towards being cashless. Hmm. Um. And there's, there's a graph uh, at the very bottom of our notes, Thomas. But if you go to the show notes, you'll see it. And it's a, a Swedish krona, notes and coins in circulation over time. And uh, peaked around 2008. But, but really converse to the rest of the world, it started tanking. Um, the, the government and banks essentially created a lot of incentives, removed fees, stuff like that. And uh, it's just in mass been going uh, digital. Yeah. Uh, um, what is the helicopter bank robbery in this article about Sweden going digital? I'm guessing. Uh, well, did you did you read the whole thing? Yeah. So so it was one of um one of the the reasons that kind of pushed them towards going cashless. I mean, it's it's this whole dramatic. 
bank heist, basically. Oh, okay. So basically, like, going I think it was like the biggest like, ever or something like that. Yeah. So going cashless means that like nobody can ever rob a bank anymore because there's nothing in the bank. Right. But I guess you could try to hack the bank. I mean, on, on most of our cash actually just sits in vaults in local branches. Yeah. Yeah. What is it? Was the the whole what's it called? Like fractional reserve system, where just like the local branches have to retain a certain amount of cash uh, because it's law. But, right. you know, speaking of robberies, I remember reading the book uh, Catch Me If You Can, which mm-hmm. the movie is based off of. And is that the one with the checks? Back, yeah. Back mm-hmm. when Frank Abagnale actually, wait, no, I'm, I'm wrong about this. It's not Frank Abagnale. It's the guy that the book Ghost in the Wires is based on. I forget his. Oh, Kevin Mitnick. And he would basically just do like phone social engineering. Yeah, he uh, was I, I the first that, like, like hacker that was arrested or something. Yeah. And I believe uh, the book said like he had done some sort of like phone social engineering scam that was bigger than any bank robbery had ever been, just done over the phone. It, it's not all that different from when like I don't know Paris Hilton's iPhone photos were released, right? It's like yeah. he called a bunch of people, pretended to be things, answered questions. Um, sorry, go on. So I just, I wonder, like, is going to a digital-only system with no paper cash actually going to prevent fraud and things like that when people can still do social engineering and all that kind of stuff? I guess it, I guess it centralizes the mechanism by which you can create more security. Mm. Like with cash, it's all over the place. But look, let's be real, Thomas. The vast majority of your or wealth or debt is not in physical currency. It's, it's yeah, in it's numbers online. So, you know, if you were worried about losing your wealth, you'd stuff it all in your mattress. You know, well, I wonder like if, a if the government, like in, in the case of Sweden, if the government's just worried, like they're the ones worried about losing cash rather than an individual person. Because I would imagine that, I mean, I guess I don't know, but I would imagine that Sweden has some sort of system like we have with FDIC where, mm. you know, you or I don't care at all if a bank gets robbed as long as we're not in it when it happens because our money's insured. So there, there's this interesting thing that uh, this problem that has been created essentially by Bitcoin, like for Bitcoin only, where uh, so if I somehow, Thomas, was able to hack into your bank account and set up like a wire transfer and blah, 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 and you just didn't see it all, whatever, and I was able to pull money from your account to mine, uh, the the federal like banking, whatever setup, they could just roll that back. Right? They're just going to take it from me yeah. and give it back to you. Whereas uh, just recently, again, for the umpteenth million time, surprise, surprise, a Bitcoin exchange was hacked and millions of dollars in Bitcoins were stolen only mm-hmm. based on the the best part of Bitcoin, that it's anonymous and on blah, blah, blah. It's yep. like for reals gone forever. Um, yeah, that's the problem. Same thing happened with uh, Mt. Gox or however you pronounce that one. Right. And that was just, you know, that was the beginning. Now the, you know, we thought that was a lot of money stolen. Now it's more of like a common. Yeah. So that's definitely one of the drawbacks with a decentralized system with anonymity is like you have to be, you're basically your own bank vault. Mm. And it's like completely up to you to keep all of your money secure. And if it's gone, it's non-reversible. Whereas a centralized system, definitely has problems of its own that you could talk about but with a centralized system comes a centralized authority who can make the call to roll something back to say that's fraud etc 
Right, right. So, and I guess that that's a big uh, boon for these digital systems. You can have that centralized authority that can keep things secure. They can make things more efficient over time. It's kind of analogous to the argument between electric cars and gas cars. And you have a lot of people who are on the side of gas cars who will say, electric cars still use just as many fossil fuels because where do you think that electricity comes from? Mm-hmm. You know, we're generating it through fossil fuels, which is true, but there's a difference. If I manufacture a car that is an internal combustion engine car that uses gasoline, once that thing rolls out onto the road, I can't improve the infrastructure and I can't improve the way that its power is generated. It is mm-hmm. now and forever will be a gas guzzling car, right? Mm-hmm. So the only thing I could ever do is maybe like try to invent a better gas that could run on it. Whereas with an electric car, you are providing electricity that comes from the grid, which is a centralized source. Mm-hmm. So all you have to do is upgrade the grid. Instead of having the gargantuan task of getting all these old cars off the road, you know, the millions and billions of them and replacing them with a million and billion new electric cars, all you have to do is improve the efficiency of the delivery mechanism that gets electricity to those cars. So maybe right now the grid doesn't save on fossil fuel usage versus um, gas using cars, but in the future with wind and solar and everything else, it might. Mm. Without having to replace the cars, you know. Exactly. The cars mm. can just keep on plugging in and keep on charging and they don't care where the electricity comes from, but we as a society can say like cool, now we're actually improving the way we generate this electricity. And, and I think that it is maybe not all that different from cash in that, like, if someone's uh, uh, counterfeiting money, you know, and obviously someone is and, and people are and mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it happens, that directly affects the value of money that you have saved. Um, and yeah. uh, as a result of having cash, there's a lot of costs that are passed on to you. Like, uh, first of all, I, I think you had mentioned that you pay an ATM fee, and I am so sorry that in 2018 you still pay ATM fees. I mean, I can't think of a bar out there that doesn't charge an ATM fee. Unless, do you have like no. some sort of bank card that like so, repays them to you or something? Yeah, so the Fidelity My Smart Cash Card, which I, I wish I got paid ah. to talk about it, they just refund um, all your fees. So uh, I, okay. we literally take it on vacation, go to asinine places, I'll charge like $10 fees. I'm like, don't give a shit. Is that um, a credit card or is that like your debit card? It's, it's my debit card. Oh, so you bank with them. Okay. Mm-hmm. I still um, bank with like a local bank. But, but so I want to talk about perhaps like why they're able to do that is Fidelity doesn't have physical branches. You can't, there's nowhere that I can go and like give them a hundred dollars and be like, put this into my bank account. Really? Um, yes, really. They have like one or two brokerages. Uh, and, and so if you think about the costs that are passed on to you, uh, ATMs, right? Cost money to run. The bank has to make sure they're filled, uh, that they're yeah. working. There are cameras and they have to take checks in there and deposit them. And that's a pain in the ass. And you'd be crazy to think that even if you didn't use an ATM, that you weren't being charged for it. Um, yeah. and, and there's a, a litany of other related services that, uh, just cost nothing with digital. I guess like this is, this is another, basically like another example analogous to the car example, like with ATMs. Mm. If you're going to do an ATM network, now you have a network of machines that have to be serviced and maintenance and all that. If you're going to do cash, you have to put cash into circulation. And the moment that bill goes into circulation, you can no longer improve 
that instance of that bill. Mm. You'd have to take it out of circulation and improve it again. So interesting. There's fact. a lot to be said for like these systems where the utility is centralized mm. and it's digital because then you can improve it over time. So, uh, like, and and in, in talking about the the bills and stuff. So, say, uh, like, for example, a one dollar bill lasts eighteen months and they destroy it. A twenty dollar bill, four years and they destroy it. Um, the the Federal Reserve Bank in uh, uh, New Orleans every year destroys six million dollars and they essentially turn it into mulch for plants and stuff. Um, now that cost may not be directly like on you as a person, but it's the cost of running our federal government and all these like crazy machines up up and wherever. It's part of your taxes. Yeah, and so so you essentially do pay for it. Mm -hmm. um, Just like the people who are counting the money, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and you know, for everyone that gets destroyed, you know, they have to create another one. Um, yep. you know, so uh, it, it's just kind of crazy. It does make sense. Um, though with all the benefits of a digital system, there are still countries that do basically run on cash. Mm. Like Japan, weirdly. Japan is so advanced in so many ways, and it's like one of the top economies in the world, but everything is cash there. Like, I don't know why credit card culture never really took on there, but it mm. just kind of didn't. I think a lot of people now pay for some things with their phones, but it's still just much more cash-based than the U.S. is by far. Like, you really can't get by without having a bunch of cash with you. So did you hear about the, the whole demonetization thing in uh, India? Uh-uh. So uh, they had uh, large notes that um, tended to be used for illegal activities or, you know, were being counterfeited in large amounts. And, uh, you know, and, and then looking at like countries like Sweden uh, moving more cash and there's so much more benefits to society and whatever when, when things are cashless, India wanted to start moving that direction and, and position themselves perhaps as like a leader in this space. Mm -hmm. um, but the culture in the country is such that a lot of people just hold cash like stuffed in their mattresses and, and shit like that. Yeah. And so um, they, they announced that this uh, type of bill was going to be uh, like no longer accepted. Um, but if you went to the bank and deposited it, like you'd be able to like keep its value. Um, they basically just give you the equivalent or put it into your bank account. Yeah. Or give you like other smaller bills or however you wanted it. But basically like you either got to turn it in by this date or it's worth mm -hmm. nothing. And it created huge lines mm -hmm. for people. And you know, they, they're like old people, young people. And it's like, it's hot there. And people died online trying to wait to turn in their, their thing. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. And not everyone, you know, knew this was happening or is able to get there. And then because whether or not, you know, they would have never going to be able to use the money again, uh, at least believe that. And then a lot of people committed suicide because a large amount of their wealth was, Oh my gosh. And, um, yeah, so, so terrible. And in an ironic, uh, whatever twist of fate, uh, you know, after they got rid of all these bills and the hope of going more cashless, uh, blah, blah, blah. Now it's like a year or so later and the, uh, Indian economy runs on just about the same amount of cash as before, just smaller bills. Huh? So basically was it worth nothing or was there still some benefit? 
because it sounds like there's a lot of cost. Yeah. So, and I, I think you know, it the the whatever's out, you know, we'll find out in a few years how it was. The worked. jury's out. Yeah, the jury's out. But ah, oh, this beer's so good, I can't even remember <laughs> simple words anymore. Uh, but I, I think it speaks more to like the culture of the country, perhaps determining. Mm. You know, and, and to, like you uh, said, yeah. like Japan, where they're mostly, ca- you know, on cash, there are a lot of countries whose currencies suck and they just rely literally on U.S. dollars. That's true. Yep. Definitely heard about that. Uh, one thing I wanted to talk about was something called M-Pesa, which mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Have you heard of that? No. What's up? So M-Pesa is, it's like this system of transferring money via phones. Mm-hmm. And I think it was launched like 15 years ago, maybe 10 years ago at this point. Um, and it is used in Kenya, Tanzania, like South Africa and some other countries. And it's it's not like Bitcoin. It's not like a decentralized blockchain kind of thing. I don't know exactly how it works, but basically it makes it super easy for people to transfer money to each other with their phones. Hmm. And this ends up being really, really useful because in a lot of these countries, the government is so corrupt that like, People can't usually rely on cash right. for when they do things like, oh, what are they called? Um, what is it called when somebody emigrates and then they send money back home? Oh. Uh, I'm trying to think of the word. Like, it's not endowments. It's, 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 there's mm. some there's some term for it. I, but I it's a big about. problem because if somebody you know leaves Kenya and they move to the U.S. or they move somewhere else and they get a great job and they're sending money back home, a lot of times there's a huge fee on it or the government's corrupt and they end up taking a bunch of it or it takes forever to get there. Remittance. Remittances, that's what it is. Yeah, Mm. remittances. Um, So if you have a government that makes things difficult, then like using their cash system actually ends up being a bad thing. Uh, So this system actually helps a lot of people in developing countries to basically like live their lives without even needing cash. Mm. And I think if if I was, if I'm remembering correctly, the podcast episode I was listening to, People just use this now for a lot of things instead of cash. And I think they can like buy things with it and all kinds of stuff. You know, it's pretty cool. And it all kind of enables business. Like, uh, you know, Square. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that like Square was originally a little square that plugged into like the audio jack of your iPhone, you know, yeah. or Android phone. And like you could like swipe credit cards and accept money. And now like, Literally any small business that I go to, and and in Hoboken, it is mostly small businesses, they all have Mm -hmm. like essentially square terminals. And it's just like you you write your name on an iPad, you know, select a tip or not or whatever. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so now without having to have cash and go to the bank and drop pot, you know, uh, it's enabled so many more things, which is awesome. Yeah. I feel like at least in this country, people value the lack of friction more than anything Mm. like the fact that i can go to whole foods and just boot my phone to pay is great and it's kind of annoying that like amazon started this new thing where there's the prime thing where you have to scan the app on your phone because it's Mm. like it's more friction in there (laughs) i don't know they should figure out how to make it even even less friction than that what do you mean scan the prime thing oh yeah you don't really have a whole foods near you do you oh i I know what you're talking okay i know what you're talking amazon Mm. bought whole foods everyone knows that Mm. Um, and for a while, not a whole lot happened, but I'm starting to see like Amazon's really starting to integrate themselves into Whole Foods. In fact, the downtown Denver Whole Foods, number one, 
feels so freaking cyberpunk. It's it's crazy. There is a giant kiosk in the middle of the store where you can buy Kindles and all the Amazon tech and all the Alexa stuff you want. Sorry for saying that to anybody who just had their thing activate. I forget sometimes. <laughs> um, Alexa, buy me toilet it, paper. Oh, I'm so sorry. Did you just you get toilet to paper? You have to that now. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it feels so weirdly dystopian because like, to order food there, like to eat there, you go to a kiosk and you just tap what you want and then it gives you a little receipt and mm. like you go pay for it. Eventually, I feel like there's going to be self-checkout and then you just go and like the food's just waiting for you at this delivery area and there's like guards there because it's downtown. <laughs> it feels like I'm in the future and it feels a little bit dystopian. Do you have a CVS but, by you? Yeah, there's also CVS. Um, I was going to say they... they have also done this thing where, like, if you're a Prime member, now there's discounts on a lot of stuff mm. in the store. So, basically, you just scan this thing on the Whole Foods app every time you check out, and it gives you discounts. Do you remember when CVS went, like, uh, cashierless or mostly cashierless? I don't remember when it happened because I have always been more of a Walgreens guy, mm. and Walgreens hasn't done that. But I have been in CVS's, and, yes, I am used to the setup they have where there are very few cashiers. You know, and, and then, like, Target you know, did it and a lot of other places did it. And I remember yep. when it first came out and I was like, this machine is so stupid. It doesn't know if my thing's in the bag or not. I have to call someone mm -hmm. over for like a coupon or whatever. And uh, now like I, like there'll be someone waiting like a person who could like scan my stuff and I will not go. Cause I don't even want to like make like small wait, pleasantries with them. Yeah. No wait. I don't even want to just oh be like, gosh. hi, but that's like too much effort. Really? And yeah. I'm listening to my music. You know, I don't want to. I have not gone that far yet. <laughs> yeah. I will take whichever one is fastest. But when I'm at Target, I almost always go to the self-checkout simply because the self-checkout is the first thing you see. And like, I don't want to walk past it just to go see if there are checkout lanes open. But at CVS, you can see them all easily. So. Mm. So yeah, look, Whole Foods hasn't done that. I actually, I have, I have one more thing for you. Uh, do you know what the average withdrawal from an ATM is? And you may already know because you might have seen. I that. read it in the show notes. It's eighty bucks. Yeah, I was like, so Which surprised me, right? Like, I figured it'd be like, <laughs> well, okay, maybe average, maybe a misleading figure mm. because it only takes like a few people withdrawing a five hundred dollars to really offset like the millions of people, you know, withdrawing ten dollars. Yeah, so. And obviously the average is going to be driven up because you can't, with a lot of ATMs, you can't take out any less than 20 bucks. Uh, so I would like to see the, uh, the median. That's true. That I would bet be. you the median is like 20. Yeah. Cause solidly 20. I was going to say when I first got a job and actually like had money that I earned, I would only withdraw 20 and I would actually, there were ATMs back then that had $10 withdrawals and I would prefer that cause like $10 is better. Um, yeah. But like it was like a serious thought if like I, I even wanted to withdraw twenty because then like I don't know it disappears. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I forget what is. Now I'm like thinking about statistics. What is the mode? I forget. Uh, oh, it's the number. It's the specific number that's most often. Mm. That's right. Anyways, there there wasn't like a whole uh, like lesson learned. It just was kind of like a fun a fun episode about cash. Yeah. And the increasing lack thereof. You know, like, uh, there's, like, weird problems will happen. Like, there, there's this whole area that is, like, un they call them, like, the unbanked, right? There are people who, like, 
Yeah, they can't get bank accounts. So if we if we go uh, cashless, like what what happens to these people? Um, mm. I don't know. I mean, Question. you know, it, it's proven that like people spend cash uh, much more thoughtfully than they do uh, with plastic. And so if people have credit card yeah. issues, uh, like does it almost uh, accelerate or, or amplify issues? I don't know. Spending issues. And I do think that that is one of the big drawbacks of all these super frictionless payment systems. It's so easy to spend a bunch of money because you don't think about it. Like you're not holding your resources in your hand mm. and seeing you know part of them leave you. So it's much harder to self-regulate. And I think you have to start doing more deliberate things like what you're doing with the refrigerator method. Or I know in the past, Martin has had a system where he just has like a, a manual expense tracking app on his phone. And every mm. time he spends money, he'll record it. And that works pretty well. Um, but my mom actually, my mom is almost entirely a cash person. Mm. Like she'll use a card when she needs to, but she does the envelope system. So whenever she gets paid, she goes and she withdraws whatever she needs for the week. And then she puts it in envelopes. So it definitely encourages more uh, responsible and restrained spending. Because I'll say even with our refrigerator method, there are times that we will spend more than what we allotted. And, and we just like subtract it from the mm. future week. But if you can't, if you literally cannot operate with spending more in one category because another category will suffer, like, I don't know, food or shelter yeah. or something, uh, working with cash real like your your constraint is right there you have ten dollars that's that's all you got yeah exactly yeah that's it's definitely a benefit to using cash mm. um we should do an episode on the unbanked at some point yes and see like who is unbanked why are they unable to get a bank account and what are the solutions for them beyond just cash uh, like are there internet banking services they could use like if you live somewhere that's so far from a bank like could you go to your library and like get an online banking service also one thing i was going to ask you like because you can't go to a physical branch mm-hmm. what do you do when you get a foreign check a f- and i imagine you've dealt with this check? before i imagine you've dealt with this, with, with this before because we've had fresh books as a sponsor and they're canadian mm. and i've had them as a sponsor and they sent me a canadian check so which I can't do the whole scan thing with like I can scan American checks with my phone, but mm. you know, it works just fine. So Fidelity uh, any foreign check scans. Uh, we actually will Fidelity take like any foreign check even over mobile scanning. I, I haven't had an issue, um, and I huh. guess look with with our business, we have a physical bank, which is something we're actually trying to un unweave ourselves from. Yeah, but uh, and, and that that's like a legitimate issue. With like, you know, wanting to say, there's like this awesome online bank that we're Ooh. moving our, moving some of our stuff to. It's called yeah. Aslo, A-Z-L-O. Uh, Aslo. And uh, no fees, no, it's just, re- and it's geared towards like business and it's just, it's awesome. Um, huh. But, you know, that would be an issue, for example. I mean, you could take, they, they have like a check depositing thing in the app. Um, Actually, I just, I just remember there's a solution that's kind of obvious. Hmm. But I forgot about it because of how check cashing not often I use the mail, but I forgot you can mail checks to your bank. Mm. So I did have a situation once where for some reason I had a foreign check that I needed to cash into my personal checking, which is back in Iowa and not in Denver. So I had to mail them the check. 
hmm. but that worked just fine. Or it may have been a, it may have been like a cashier's check. For some reason, I could not scan it with my phone. Uh, but yeah, I guess so. With that, there's really no need to ever go to a physical a physical branch. Like anything you would ever need from a bank, they can probably send you through the mail, or you can do digitally. And look, when have you ever enjoyed going to a physical branch? It's usually my worst experience of the week, even when if the I people was a are really kid, nice. To get free popcorn. <laughs> the Chase branch bus has uh, those uh, dum-dum lollipops. Oh, my. And dum-dums. Yeah, we, I would just grab like a handful. We're eating them while we're there. We're eating when we leave. Yeah. My, the Community State Bank in Ankeny, Iowa, when I was a little kid, would have popcorn on Wednesdays, and they always had the banana-flavored Laffy Taffies. Mm. So I liked going to the bank. Also, we like just like, I don't know, one of the cashiers had these cool magnet stars that just like stuck together and they were fun to play with. <laughs> but since being a kid, I can't think of a time when I've enjoyed going to the bank. So yeah, I enjoyed the all the digital stuff. Mm. <clears throat> and even even scanning a check with my phone is too much of a pain in the ass. Yeah, it's kind of annoying. Um, I people started paying me with something called Veeam, like V E E M. Haven't heard I, of it. I. So I think like. Unlike a lot of the other payment services that are like startups, I think Veeam was developed by a bank or several banks in conjunction with each other. Um, but it seems to go faster than the other ones I've used, and it also apparently has no transaction. Ah, uh, so do, do you know about TransferWise? Mm-mm. So tra- well, I've heard of it. So Wait, it's, maybe I've used it's it. a transfer money internationally. And often when you have to transfer money between banks, ah. it takes like two to three days or maybe internationally longer. What TransferWise did is they open up a bunch of accounts all over the place and uh, it's instantaneous transfers because they have, say, like a bank in like Vietnam. And so they just take the money out they of They do it just like PayPal, basically, where it's like they instead of actually transferring that money, they just give you like a thousand of their money and then they replenish. Exactly. The thousand that was sent. Yeah. Uh, that was like one of PayPal's big challenges when they were starting is like, how do we get people to keep money in PayPal so we can do this? Mm. Anyways, that that's all I got. Okay. I do have a couple of recommendations for people if they mm. are curious about cash and things like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a podcast that is called 50 Things That Made the Modern Economy put out by the BBC. And it's done because there were only 51 things that were ever covered. It was like 50 and then a bonus one because it was so popular. Uh, there are two episodes in there that you should go listen to. One is on the credit card, and then one is on M-Pesa. And they're both really mm. good. It's like super highly produced, awesome podcast. Every episode's like 10 minutes. And honestly, like if you go listen to these and you like them, you're probably going to listen to every episode of that show. It's it's a great podcast to binge. Um, but those two are good to listen to for anyone interested in this topic. And I don't remember. There might be paper money in there as well. I just can't remember if there's a paper money mm. episode. Anywho, show notes for this episode are going to be at listenmoneymatters.com slash show. So either check out that URL or tap our faces or do whatever gesture is required in your podcast app to find the show notes and hence all the links to the research that we use for this episode so you can go learn more. And you can also find our favorite apps, books, tools, all kinds of resources for improving your financial life at listenmoneymatters.com slash toolbox. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Later, Later, dude.
please tell your friends about this show. <laughs>